Welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Your host is Michelle Beck. Our show is here to help breast cancer patients, survivors, thrivers, their friends and family by providing resources, support, and inspiration they can use right now. Here is your host, Michelle Beck. Hello and welcome to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle Beck. And if you're watching this, you can see that I have my first in-person guest today. And I'm super excited about that because we're both on the screen together. So I am, we'll get into her story in just a minute. But if you're a listener, you know that I am a two-time 10-year survivor of breast cancer. I'm the patient programs assistant at Breast Friends of Oregon. And when I have time, you can find me on social media at I Never Liked Pink, which is not very often, especially now during the holiday season. So my guest today, her name is Kelly Page, and I met her through Breast Friends. She doesn't have a program to share about survivorship or hints to deal with side effects, but what she does have is a story of survival through difficult trials in life and almost unimaginable odds. She really is not supposed to be here today, but she's come out on the other side. A quote which sings to Kelly and brings her so much joy is, the greatest glory doesn't come from winning, but from rising each time you fail. And that that kind of gives me chills. It's super important. And we'll talk about today why she feels that way. So Kelly, welcome and thank you for being here. Can you tell us a little bit about your stuff, the non-cancer side? We'll get there. Certainly. Um, Michelle, it's my pleasure to be here. Thank you for having me. Um, Something about myself is that um, I love being with people. I love taking care of animals. And I just love to give back in any way I can. So volunteering is very important to me. And um, I'm just amazingly blessed to be here at 51 years of age. Well, and as I forgot to mention, so today... When this airs, December 21st is Kelly's birthday. So happy birthday, Kelly. And um, also, we're both celebrating Christmas. I have my candy cane earrings on, and Kelly has her Christmas tree. So, Kelly, in our past conversations we've had, we talked about how you grew up in kind of a very, I guess, vagabondish lifestyle where you moved around a lot. You had a single mom And you really went from location to location and didn't get to settle anywhere. What was that like for you? It's um, obviously a very different um, experience to be brought up by a gypsy and one that was actually um, gay or homosexual. So that was a very different um, aspect as well. Um, So between the... uh, Gypsy lifestyle, living hand to mouth, um, moving consistently. Um, it was a, a very difficult, challenging um, upbringing, but it brought, it definitely uh, taught me a lot about tenacity and to keep trying. And um, because of, because of that being instilled in me, I was the first person in my family to graduate from high school. Um and in my 12 years of education, I attended 20 schools. So it was a, a wonderful, wonderful accomplishment to receive that diploma. The, the fact that you graduated after being in so many schools is a huge accomplishment. So giant kudos for that, because that's obviously a lot of self-motivation in terms of, okay, I'm going from school to school and my lifestyle is very chaotic, but I know this is something that I want to do. 
Definitely. I wanted to make my mother proud of me. So, well, I'm sure that you did. Now, was your father involved in your life at all growing up? Sadly, no, my my father wasn't. Um, He died when he was 23. And he was also a veteran. Um, Both both of my parents served. Um, He he didn't even know I was born. And so... um, Yeah, so unfortunately, we never had the pleasure of meeting, but we will one day, I have no doubt. I'm sure he is looking down on you and seeing what we're doing today and is also very proud of you, as is your mother and your sister, who Kelly has both lost, and we're going to get into that. But your diet, your growing up was very stressful. Do you think that may have led to your cancer diagnosis in some way? Absolutely. Um, In fact, I've been tested three times for the BRCA. Um, which has resulted um, each time to be negative. And while my mother was still living, she was tested twice. Um, And then my sister, she had a form of cancer that originated in her brain. So there was no genetic link to that at all. But the fact that all three of us were diagnosed within three years, I have no doubt that stress paid a huge impact, as well as lack of proper nutrition, insomnia, abuse, different things and I believe all all equally contributed to our cancer diagnosis. Wow, that's that's a lot to process. Um, I and the fact that you're still here today and you want to talk about it and share it for other people that's pretty impressive. I'm. It sounds like you've developed just a tenacity and strength every day because you didn't have a choice. Exactly, exactly. Um, and if you can imagine to have. Th- three people out of three in the same immediate family diagnosed within three years, throw in a a miracle baby in the midst of that. And um, it was definitely a very tough time, but God brought me through it. So we're so grateful. Now, I know you joined the military as well. I'm sure you had strong influences from your mother and knowing that your father was also a veteran. Was that to kind of give yourself some stability in life? It definitely definitely was, which I know a lot of people joke at me for joining the military for wanting stability. But for me, it definitely um, was a huge decision. Um, I also wanted to serve my country and I wanted to go to college. So there was definitely a combination of reasons why I joined the military. And I literally went in four days after I graduated from high school. So it was it was very quick. <laughs> that is pretty impressive. My husband also served and he was in boot camp for his 18th birthday. So he definitely can understand that. And thank you for your service. It's it's something that doesn't get talked about enough. And I didn't realize it until I married someone who had served for 21 years, how important it is to our country. So I, I find it incredibly commendable that that's something you chose to do um, that really was led you to other parts of your life. Now, I kind of want to get into the talk you also about your early family life and not your, not your immediate family, but your, you um, met your husband to be when you were a teenager and then had a challenging long distance relationship. Can you talk about that for a bit, please? Sure. I met um, my husband, Dan, when I was 14 and we dated for seven years six out of those seven were long distance. Um, He was on a submarine. And so um, 10 months out of the year, he was underwater. And the other two months he was on land um, maintaining the boat or what they call a submarine. And um, so, yeah, it was um, a very difficult um, 
relationship for it to be not only long distance, but for the lack of communication and time together. But we did, after seven years, decide to marry. And we were um, we were newlyweds when I was diagnosed um, at, at 23. And so um, that was a very challenging time as well, not just to be diagnosed, but of course he was gone when I was. <laughs> I was going to ask that was, was he actually available to talk to when you were diagnosed at all? No, no, he was un- underwater and I had to fight to get him off the boat as it was. Um, I had gone through a couple of surgeries and finally, one doctor said, um, who is here to pick you up and take you home? And I said, I don't, I don't have anybody. I'm going to have to take a taxi. And he said, no, I think your husband should be here. And so that particular doctor helped me get Dan home. And as it was, it only ended up being two weeks before the boat was due to come in anyway. But um, yeah, that was a really, really tough time. And uh, as it turned out, Dan came home the eve of my mastectomy. Mm. Wow. So obviously Kelly is a cancer survivor and really against the odds. So can you tell us, Kelly, about that time in your life where you you knew something was wrong in your body? What what kind of what started that thought and how did you finally get to a diagnosis? I was 22 when I found the lump and it just um, I wasn't in the habit of doing monthly breast exams at 22. Well, unfortunately, <laughs> most women are not. I never did breast exams. And I'm not going to lie. I did not do them between my first and my second diagnosis either. I, I don't know why. I don't I don't know if it was stubbornness or laziness, but it's not a smart thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, I think, well, at 22, of course, you're not thinking about breast cancer, especially back in 1994. Um, that was not something that anybody talks about or mentions. Um, But I had discovered a lump and it was my intuition that told me that something was wrong. And so I kept uh, trying to find any doctor that would take this lump seriously. And after a year and a half and eight doctors, I finally found one that said, you definitely need a mammogram. And uh, Because you're too young for cancer. Exactly. And were you dealing with military physicians at that time? I was, yes. Dan, uh, I was out of the military and my husband, um, of course, was. And so, and that's another thing. Um, Military doctors sometimes aren't always the most open to anything out of the norm. And so, but even civilian doctors can be that way too. And so I had to really persevere and keep trying to find a doctor to take it seriously. And eight doctors is a lot over a year and a half to really try to convince that all I wanted was a mammogram and that despite my age, um, that this lump did not feel normal to me. And my my intuition was definitely telling me that something was wrong. And that is always another thing which we really talk about on the show is to be your own advocate. And if someone is not listening, scream it from the rafters until someone pays attention to you. Now, after those those eight doctors and you pushing and trying to figure all of this out, what was the final straw when someone said, oh my gosh, this this actually is cancer? What, what stage and grade were you at? Um, I was at stage three. Oh, which is really frustrating because cancer can grow very fast. And Kelly had been trying for a year and a half. To get someone to help her, and finally she was diagnosed at stage three. What I know, something else also happened that same day that you were 
diagnose stage three? What was that? Um, excuse me. That's okay. <laughs> it happened to be the um, anniversary of my father's passing. Um, and so I just thought that was very interesting. My dad and I, our birthdays are just about a month apart. And he passed away on September 5th, September 15th. September 5th is my diagnosis date. Um, and it was September 15th that I found out it was stage three. So it was very interesting how at the same, and he passed away at 23. So at the very sta same stage in our lives, um, to almost basically to the very day, um, in the sense of our birthdays being only a month apart, um, is very interesting um, to have his the death of his anniversary and and my diagnosis uh, stage the same day. Um, I just thought that was quite an interesting coincidence. Now, so you were diagnosed stage three. What was the initial treatment protocol that you went through at that time? I I'm actually um, I I participated in a study. And uh, in fact, I'm in the medical journals, <laughs> which is pretty exciting. I mean, the fact that you're in the medical journals and you're here to tell about it, or how many, I can't do math, 28 years later, that's pretty impressive. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really cool. Um, I was on a very aggressive chemotherapy regimen where I had three types of chemo to this day, I still remember, which I, I don't think I'll ever forget. Adriamycin, cytoxin, and 5-FU. Oh, I haven't heard of that last one. <laughs> yes, I used to be creative with the FU part. Um, <laughs> I can appreciate that. <laughs> and uh, and so, yeah, I had it weekly, which um, at that time is un was unheard of and to this day is unheard of. So um, I was supposed to have 32 rounds of chemotherapy. I only ended up having 30 Um I maybe do a good behavior. I don't know, but my, my oncologist decided to call it quits at 30 and she felt that that was enough. And um, at one point I had gotten down to 82 pounds. So I think that may have had something to do with it. Because your body was not, it might've been killing the cancer cells, but it was also killing you, unfortunately at that time. And so you, Dan got home on the eve of your mastectomy. You had, did you have chemo first and then your mastectomy? No, I had mastectomy first. Okay. Um, and uh, then I, I also had an, a Hickman catheter. I don't know if you're familiar with that is, but mm -hmm. it's a um, it has a, it's an interior tube and then it has two exterior tubes, uh, and that's where you receive your chemo. And um, just as I was getting ready to begin chemotherapy, um, D Dan left. Okay, of course. So <laughs> sorry, <Okay>. but. <laughs> <laughs> that is the that is the military life. You go when you're called. Unfortunately, um, and so, but you're there. You also had some very non smooth things happen after this time, where you ended up back in the hospital. Yes, exactly. Um, there was a time in April of '96 when my neighbor found me unconscious, and I was in a coma, um, and uh, ended up being in one for 18 days. So um, was that when you were in the chemo process? Yes. Okay. Yes, um, exactly. I'd been on chemo for about four, four and a half months at that point. And so I had several, obviously several um, chemo sessions. And, and so um, that was very, um, a very difficult experience to uh, wake up from a, a coma and have no one be there. Um, and, uh, but it, Obviously, God gave me a sense of humor because I made a joke right away after I woke up. So <laughs> do you remember what that joke was? It was kind of like more of like um, I said, I took out the tube out of my throat and I said, 
this isn't heaven. This is a hospital, you know, and <laughs> I made the, um, the nurse was outside my door doing my chart and she happened to hear me and she was super excited that I was awake. And I had no idea that I'd been in a coma for 18 days, of course. And so um, I just, uh, I chose to uh, look at it from a positive perspective and just kind of make silly little comments and jokes. And, and uh, she said, I was the first patient she'd ever had that had that kind of sense of humor. And that was that happy to just, just be there and to be alive. Yes, and exactly. Well, and I've always said it's much easier to laugh through the pain than cry because you have to do one or the other with cancer. There's usually no in between, yes. but we do have a lot more of Kelly's story to talk about. So please stay with us listeners. If you or a loved one needs our services, please go to breastfriends.org and check out patient programs to see what we can do for you. If you would like to donate to breast friends to help us on our mission to ensure that no one goes through cancer alone, you can do that on our website. There's a big donate button or text BF radio to 41444. Stay with us. We'll be back in a minute. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. Thank you for listening today. Breast friends need your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us at Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. I'm Michelle, and my guest is Kelly, against the odds survivor, smiler, and lover of animals. And we are talking about how she's had the strength and tenacity and drive to overcome some really hard obstacles in life and still be here with a smile on our face. So Kelly, we had talked previously and you kind of came up with a quote about being diagnosed so young. Can you share that with our listeners and and why? Almost definitely. Um, I came up with uh, the quote of cancer doesn't check your age at the door um, because I cannot tell you how many times in my life that I've been told 
that I was too young, whether it was before cancer or after, that is something that we still 27 plus years later are having to endure. I I still come across articles that that uh, where these young women are being denied mammograms, and I find it infuriating um, just because it is it is an illness that really doesn't care what age, race, gender, color, yes. religion, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. And uh, so if there's anything that I could do to make a difference and help um, open people's eyes, that um, cancer does not discriminate. That is so true. And I, I actually say that all the time. And it's especially hard and really frustrating that the insurance companies are trying to up the age of regular mammograms to 45 instead of lower where it needs to be because more and more young women are being diagnosed. They're being diagnosed later stage and more aggressive. It's it's just so frustrating. Yes. <laughs> okay. So mm-hmm. now that we got, we got out that rant about <laughs> cancer, not discriminating. Thank you. Um, so when you came out of the coma, did they, you finally realized, okay, I've been in a coma for 18 days. You're alone. Essentially your husband is off on a boat somewhere. What, what do you, yes, you're using humor, but how do you get up and get through each day? Mm. The, besides my faith, um, one of the the biggest things for me was my goals in life is to have a dog. And that was one, that was the hope and my dream of that coming true. That was something that I clung to. I love that. Kelly, Kelly actually comes in place with my dogs too. So we, we share that love. Uh, she's, she's an adopted dog mom, which <laughs> I definitely appreciate because I'm a huge dog lover as well. And it's really important just to find those things that, that work for you. Like what, what brings you joy every day? And, you know, for Kelly, it's animals and taking care of them right now. But also she kind of leads me to my next segue while Kelly was, um, going through chemo at the end um your husband came off the boat for a while and um i i'm using this in a joking way because it's just you fell pregnant uh, <laughs> which my one of my on my favorite podcasts they talk about that all the time and that used to be the the thing that women fell pregnant so you became pregnant your marriage was tumultuous and full of turmoil and so what happened at that point? Because you are literally in active treatment and you're pregnant. Exactly. Um, Destiny was conceived during radiation. Okay. And um, it, she really is a miracle in every sense of the word. Um, my husband and I had been together one time and here she is. Um, and so I was told I would never be able, be able to have children because of the um, um, a very aggressive chemotherapy and how many sessions I'd had. And so um, here I had literally just finished my radiation treatment. And a few days later, I noticed that I wasn't feeling well, but I was, when I called my doctor. Not feeling well in a different way. In a different <laughs> way. Right. Exactly. Something was off. Something was different. And I knew that. So I called my oncologist and she said, well, you know, you did just, just finish radiation. So you know, it could be anything, uh, and it would make sense that you're not feeling well. I had had such a really um, aggressive um, treatment, um, not only with chemotherapy and radiation, but I'd also had um, at least 10 surgeries related to my cancer experience at that time. And so 
it was a lot all uh, all within a very condensed amount of time and um so i continued to feel just very different and off and so one night i decided to go into the emergency room and uh i was getting ready to have a um a body scan and literally the nurse came in mm-hmm. running running uh through the room and said stop the test because the gentleman was literally had his hand on the button and um and i said why are we stopping the test and she says cuz darlin you're pregnant <laughs> and i'm sure literally the blood just rushed out of your body and you're like what the hell are you talking about yes yes exactly exactly and and of course as you, as you know um not only was my body had gone through all these all this trauma um and consistently for so long, but um, but knowing that my husband and I had only been that together that one time, it was amazing. And as soon as I could pick my jaw up the floor, um, I turned it in and I said, it's destiny. And it was at that moment that God told me, and that's her name. Oh, I just got chills. Um, but it was not an easy pregnancy. And you were actually you had been given some advice about the pregnancy. Can you share that and what that entailed? Oh, definitely. I did the same thing as I did when I needed that mammogram. I went and I talked to any doctor who would listen to me and give me a few minutes of their time and their expertise. They were not used to dealing with a younger woman who had breast cancer for one thing, but then to to have gotten pregnant during radiation treatment, that was something altogether different. After all that chemotherapy, um, it was just not supposed to be. And so... Um, I literally had all these doctors scratching their head and once again, talked to about t- like 10 doctors and um, nine of which, including my own oncologist, told me that I needed to abort the baby because the type of breast cancer I had was res- was estrogen receptive. And with getting pregnant prior to finishing treatment, there was no test that they could give me to find out if any of the if any or all the cancer was gone. So basically just to be on the safe side, um, the sooner I terminate the pregnancy, the better. Um, and I, I had never been pregnant. Destiny is my first and only pregnancy. And so knowing that I had almost died a couple of times during the course of my treatment, I felt that this was not the way I was supposed to go. And it, and even if I died, that if I could try to hold on to the pregnancy as long as possible and I could give birth uh, to my child, then um, then at least Dan would have um, have the baby. And um, that was that was my goal is to just continue on with the pregnancy as long as possible, because I knew that God had given me this child for a reason. And for those of you who maybe listening or not fully versed in this when you have estrogen positive or hormone positive cancer you're advised to not get pregnant and obviously this was not the plan but as as she as kelly has said destiny is her name for a reason for this child and but anyway the cancer hormone positive cancer loves all the hormones and it literally it it sucks them and it eats them and that's how it survives well when you're pregnant those hormones go crazy and so during this pregnancy kelly literally took a chance on her own life as she said because she knew that she was supposed to have that child and really using her faith and and having trust hopefully in the medical system and they knew what they were doing to help keep her alive and have a healthy child and so 
um, you opted to keep the pregnancy and then tell me about destiny. Mm. Well, my little destiny, um, as I like to call her, um, she was 11 pounds, two ounces. That is a a healthy (laughs) baby girl. So she was not suffering from any ill effects of anything. No, I mean, I was, it was so funny. I was very, very sick throughout the pregnancy. And uh, it was an amazing thing because they had just done a sonogram 45 minutes before she was born. And they had told me that she would be between seven and eight pounds. And so when they say, congratulations, you have a daughter, 11 pounds, two ounces. I said, no, really, how much did she weigh? I I thought they were joking. Was this still in the military hospital? Yes. Okay. (laughs) I mean, both my parents were born in military hospitals and I'm here. So things worked out, but that's kind of funny. Yes. (laughs) Yes. I I really, I did not believe the gentleman who, who gave me the news because, and I, I I just touched him. I'm like, come on now, really? How much did she weigh? And he's he's like, no, seriously. I, I couldn't believe it um, because obviously 11 pounds, two ounces, that's the size of a turkey. And so from then on, I, I used to call her (laughs) my turkey, but uh, yeah, she's, um, she's a beautiful young woman. She's now 20. 25. And um, and she, oh, I do want to share this with you, please. I've learned recently that she works where? At a better veterinary hospital. So, <laughs> oh, I love that. So, uh, yeah, I'm just, she has kept, you know, that your love of animals has gone down genetically to her. Yes, yes. Because when I, um, when she was a little girl, I had my own pet sitting business, which is what I still do today. And so, um, yeah, she's, we've always had animals, um, whether our own or uh, taking care of other people. So to hear that she's working at a veterinary clinic is just makes her mom so very proud. Yeah. And that is wonderful. And just to confirm, there was she didn't have anything going on, or did she have any side effects from your radiation or chemo that had been in your body? Um, thankfully, not all altogether, not too bad at all. They did Good. think that she w- might be a little slow, or that she might have some deformities um, due to the radiation. She had gotten we she had about two and a half weeks of it, okay. so that's a fairly good amount. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, or even and my abdomen was not shielded. And so, yeah, it was a really scary thing because um, actually the doctors thought we were both going to pass on as a result of this pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And so um, to know that you and your baby unborn child may pass away from, from this um, is a very scary experience. I had just lost a friend of mine um, just um, three months before I got pregnant um, and to see, to lose a friend who's your age, uh, she had leukemia and knowing that, um, mm-hmm. that I might be in the heaven sooner than I anticipated. Um, that was a very scary and very real thing for me, uh, to see, to have that kind of mirror example and, um, and know that, you know, young people do pass away and, uh, cancer, as we talked about earlier, does not discriminate. And so, um, it was a very scary pregnancy. I used to wake up every morning and uh, thank God for that day. And when I go at, to bed at night, I pray that him to him that uh, my baby and I would make it as long as as possible to at least keep her with us. So that was my goal is to keep the baby to keep the baby in my tummy as long as possible, so that hopefully she would at least have a chance. Well, you obviously gave her that because as a you know she's flourishing young woman now. Do you feel like going through that cancer experience and advocating for yourself and really having to do this on your own made you a 
a better mother? Um, I do. I, I do think it made me a better mother. Um, it was a very stressful time because um, 12 days before Destiny was born, that's when my mother was diagnosed. Mm. And I was in the intensive care unit when I learned that my mother had stage four. And then um, not long after that, my sister was diagnosed with brain cancer. So um, it was it was hard because I didn't feel that I had a whole lot of strength because um, I was definitely emotionally overwhelmed. And I know that being a mom in the best of circumstances is challenging. And in my case, um, I was surrounded I felt like my whole world was all about cancer. And of course it was. Um, and, uh, but I knew that um, I had to try to be as strong for this little girl as possible. And so um, I'm, I am, I'm very proud of her and very blessed. Well, obviously you've done that. And, but you really had to, you were, you were, it was like you were just out in a, on an Island on your own because you were dealing with your own health issues and raising your daughter. And you feel like your, your family, your immediate family, your mom and your sister should be like pitching in to help, but then they're dealing with their own health issues. And I, I do truly believe that stress can contribute to cancer. And the fact that you were all diagnosed within three years of each other is with with no genetic links and all of that it's a little nutty it so <laughs> it is it was it was so so hard and i just um more than anything um i wanted destiny to have a relationship with her grandmother and her aunt um that was so important to me and um that was really really hard because you know i mean none of us know when our last day is going to be mm-hmm. but to um so that she would have a relationship with them. What I would do is I would drive down to wherever they were living at the time. I was in Washington state. I was in Bremerton um, when all this was taking place and um, destiny ended up being born in Tacoma um, at uh, Madigan army hospital. But um, so I would drive to my mother's place who lived in Renton. So that was only a couple hours, but my sister was in Salem and so I would literally take Destiny f- to my mom's house to be with her and help take care of my mom. And then I would be there for a week or two and I would pack up and then drive down south to Salem and help take care of my sister all while having a baby on my hip and not even having a- an opportunity to really deal with my own illness yet because um, to have a life-threatening pregnancy when you hadn't even finished your own treatment yet, there was just no time. And so I had to put a lot of my own stuff on hold and to take, to be taking care of your mother who has breast cancer, which is something I'd already had and already had just um, had gone, you know, that whole experience. And then, so I could relate to my mother with having the same disease, even though it was a different type of breast cancer. Um, And then take care of my sister who was basically my age um, although I, of course I could not relate to having brain cancer. And so um, it, and then trying to be a good mom on top of all of that, it was um, definitely very, very difficult. And I, um, I was really hoping that they would both live long enough for destiny to have some memories of, of them. And unfortunately um, my sister died just after destiny turned three. So she has no memories of her aunt Kathy, but thankfully um, she does have a few memories of her grandma, Judy. 
I love that. We are going to talk more with Kelly and about what she has gone through and how she ended up where she's at today with a smile on her face. So listeners, please stay with us. If you would like to reach out to me, you can email me at michellebeck at breastfriends.org. Stay with us. We'll be back. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Thank you for listening today. Breast Friends needs your support. We rely on donations to continue our mission that no woman goes through cancer alone and to keep the show going. Please consider making a tax-deductible donation to Breast Friends. You can text BF Radio to 41444 or visit us at breastfriends.org to donate. You can also like us on Facebook at Breast Friends of Oregon or follow us on Instagram at Breast Friends PDX. Be sure to tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time for Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You are tuned in to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. To reach the program today, please call us at 1 866 472 5792. Again, that's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org. Now, back to the show. Thanks for staying with us. I'm Michelle and my guest is Kelly. And we are talking about Kelly's journey with trials and tribulations in life and how she moved through and beyond breast cancer. Has a wonderful daughter despite all of the doctor's wishes. And she knew that it was destiny and that is her name, which is wonderful. But Kelly did also lose her mother and her sister to various cancers. All of this was going on, and but she's still here today and is just really wanted to share her story as kind of inspiration to others. So, Kelly, let's talk about something that you've mentioned a couple times. How important was faith and your relationship with God in this journey? Incredibly important. Um, I couldn't have done it without him. So, um, Now, did you growing up and I this isn't the politically politically correct word anymore but you said it so so you grew up a gypsy lifestyle Mm -hmm. is religion a part of that or is that something that you developed on your own as as somewhat of a coping mechanism to help you get through um religion or spiritual beliefs were not a part of my upbringing at all um it was actually when I was 17 that I met an elderly couple who um who introduced me to Christ and I became baptized. In fact, they uh, lived here in Portland and I was at that time I was living in Salem. And uh, so um, every so often I would um, come up to Clackamas and 
attend New Hope Church with them. Um, and so thankfully at 17, I not only became baptized, but that began my uh, forever relationship with God. Well, I, I know how important it is. And for many, many who go through a cancer journey, because that relationship with God and your faith is really a constant support system. While while you mentioned you went through a lot of your treatment alone for a variety of reasons, you always had that by your side. So and and still to this day, it is very important to you. So I do you still um, communicate with that couple? Are they still around? Unfortunately, they've both okay. both passed away. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm sure they they know all the good they did with getting you to where you're at today. So that's pretty important. Now. When you were going through treatment, we've talked about how you didn't have really family there or friends um, and possibly friends. I apologize. I'm putting words in your mouth, but you were getting treatment in a military hospital. I can't imagine there was any kind of support emotional other than the physical treatment you were going through. Correct. Um, my family, unfortunately, did not know how to deal, deal with it. And so they tended to stay away Um my mother every so often would come up on a Sunday uh, to see how I was doing. But uh, being the first to be diagnosed and the youngest, mm-hmm. um, no one was prepared for it. And I understand that. Um, ironically, Sunday was always the day I could walk. Um, Monday through su- Saturday, I couldn't. And s- Sunday, I could at least walk instead of crawl um, because of your treatment schedule exactly okay you it finally was, sunday was the day you felt okay okay not great not good but <laughs> but at least i could walk somewhat upright as opposed to crawling on so i didn't have someone to take care of me um it was very much a very ice very lonely isolating experience and i believe that's definitely where my faith you know perhaps that's what made it stronger because i didn't have anyone to rely on except for god and so um, I'm sure I took up a lot of his time <laughs> praying and talking to him. But, um, of course, he knows the circumstances. And so I just um, I just kept praying that, Lord, to help me through it. And, you know, one of these days, if you could just allow me to have a dog, that would be that'd be great. <laughs> Got it. We're working on that. Yes. Um, so now you we met through Breast Friends and you found Breast Friends years and years after your treatment. How did that come about? And why did you feel like even years later, it would be helpful? Oh, my goodness. It was amazing. I actually was homeless at the time when I found Breast Friends, which is not something you normally advertise. But that's how difficult my life had been. I'd been divorced from Dan and had nowhere to go because, of course, my family had already passed on. And so um, I happened to hear about a breast cancer convention uh, that was in Vancouver. And I was that's where I was kind of staying was in the Vancouver area. And so um, I decided, well, what what the heck? It certainly can't hurt. Uh, I always like to learn. And so um, that uh, Sharon and Becky had a booth Mm -hmm. um, at the hotel. And that's where I learned about Breast Friends. And I've I've been um, involved with it off and on since. So and how long ago was that? That was, um, that was 2008, 2008. Okay. So you definitely one of the longest members because it started in 2000. So I love that. And the fact that you're a 25, I can't do math, 25, 27 year survivor is pretty amazing. I remember the first time I met Sharon was actually at a Susan G. Komen conference, a convention. And, um, 
I was after my first diagnosis and I was really gung-ho. I'm like, I'm going to go be a part of this community, not really knowing what it entailed. And I walked up to the breast friends table and and she's, you know, Sharon, and she's very bubbly and she has this personality that just shines light. And I said, well, you know, what do you do? And she's like, well, we can help you if you need a wig or if you need support. And at the time I didn't, I didn't need a wig and I didn't realize that I needed support. And so I didn't find, I didn't go back to breast friends until after my second diagnosis. When at that point I was like, oh my gosh, I'm lost and I'm broken. And I essentially walked in the door after I finished my active treatment to volunteer because my son was in school. I needed to do something and realized how much support I actually needed. And now five years later, this is where I am. So it's uh, it's all history at this point, but it's amazing how important that support system of finding women who understand what you're going through and who get it. Yes, definitely. Um, so you were able to join the Breast Friends community. You've been a part of it for almost 15 years. What would you tell someone out there who is doesn't have the support, but is looking for something like breast friends. I would say, don't be shy. Don't hesitate. Um, Because cancer is a very isolating experience anyway, even when you do have a support system, but especially for those women and men, because men get breast breast cancer too, Mm -hmm. um, that don't have uh, family and friends around for whatever reason. I think it's so important to reach out and make that phone call or send that email Um, And I know it's hard because we have a lot of pride, Um, especially I think even as women, we're used to having to take care of everything. Um, It's so important to reach out and be your own advocate and just say, you know, hey, I'm a little lonely or I need help with this or help with that. It's okay. It's it's a good thing to reach out and uh, not not just... um, not just have people around you in the sense of physically, but just have that emotional connection is extremely important. Definitely. I, I cannot echo those words enough. Now, if you have met someone, I'm sure you've met many women through the program who were recently diagnosed, other than the fine support, what kind of words of wisdom um, can you give for our listeners? Mm. Listen to your intuition, honor it. And don't ever, ever let a doctor uh, tell you that you're uh, too young um, for anything because um, it just, whether it's cancer or another illness, oftentimes it doesn't discriminate against age. And so um, ladies, especially the young ladies, I really want you to listen to your gut. And um, it doesn't matter how many doctors it takes um, to get those questions answered just keep going and keep believing in yourself and uh just know that um you're you're on the right path and uh following that intuition is just again just so very important well i just found my video clip right there that i'm going to post later on Um, I want to go back that something you mentioned earlier that we didn't kind of dig into. You said that you had 10 surgeries mm-hmm. for your breast cancer treatment. What what was that all about? Like, why did you have to have so many? Um, well, because it was a military hospital. Um, okay. There were not a lot of people that wouldn't knew how to do biopsies correctly, lumpectomies correctly. And even my mastectomy was not done correctly. I was not properly sewn. And so part of my body kept oozing out of me and um, 
after three weeks, they had to go in there and sew me up again. And so I was, I found out later from the, one of the nurses that I was the first mastectomy that that doctor had ever performed. Oh, good times. Yes. And uh, he had shared with me in confidence that the doctor actually had the book. He was reading it as he was doing my mastectomy. So there was quite a few um, uh, surgeries involved prior to starting chemotherapy and again, all within a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. It ended up being about um, 10 surgeries in um, in 11 weeks. That is a lot for your body to go through. It really truly is a miracle that you got pregnant. I, I mean, for, for the amount of surgeries that you went through and the extensive chemo, that one, the FU one that I've never even heard of, which <laughs> they may not even do it anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Well, it was a long time ago. Yes. And the fact that you were in radiation and your body had gone through so much, but still it knew that you were meant to be a mother. Yeah, it it is really amazing because the only time I, um, chemotherapy had stopped my periods. Mm -hmm. Um, And during that, I ended up being in the hospital for exactly 28 days, 18 days in in the coma, and then 10 days to try to figure out where to go from there. And they were initially going to do an open heart surgery. And then thankfully they decided that at 82 pounds and not having an immune system, I really didn't have the ability to fight that. And so instead they put me on Coumadin, which is a very precise science and it takes time to, to, to figure out how much to take and that kind of thing. And so um, I, uh, I was uh, just very blessed that they decided to go that route. And the scary thing was, though, is that with with the I I ended up having an infected blood clot on my heart, which is what started, which which is what caused the coma. I had a fever of one hundred six point five, which is just an incredible thing to survive in itself. Um, but um, so the scary thing about Coumadin is that it could dislodge the um, blood clot and it mm-hmm. could go into my lungs and I could, I would die instantly. But of course the hope is that it would slowly dissolve it. And I was so blessed and that that's indeed what happened. And so, yeah, it was a, the whole journey was just incredibly stressful and hard to deal with. And if it hadn't have been for my faith, I, I don't believe I would have been able to made, make it through. Well, thank you for sharing that because I I know we had talked previously and I just couldn't remember, but I was like, 10 surgeries just seems like a lot, but obviously you had more than cancer going on. You had the, you had the blood clot and you had all the coma and all of these things, but you, and with very little support, you still made it through. And so with, with your faith and I think from your growing up experience, Nothing against your mother, but I'm guessing you and your sister kind of raised yourselves a little bit. Yes. Yes, we did. And th- doing that, and I, I had a single mother, and she she was wonderful, but I, I end up raising my little sister as well. So we we kind of figure out the things that we have to do to be able to move forward. Yes, exactly. Exactly. And and nothing against my mother either. I've, I've come to the a point where I have a lot of peace. Um, and I just really try to concentrate on the positive things. And definitely, if I hadn't had that background, I don't know if I would have had the tenacity or determination to fight like I did. Um, and uh, serving my country and then also spending some time in job court really helped teach me a lot of skills um, to keep trying, you know, to um, strengthen those qualities and, um, yeah, definitely without those experiences, you know, um, 
growing up as I did and finishing high school. Um, I, you know, I don't know if I would have been here today. So there's a lot of things that your upbringing can teach you. Um, and then you draw, you, um, dwell from those when you need them the most. And, um, I'm just so glad that God gave me that ability to keep holding on. And in fact, that's sometimes I, um, I say that to myself is that, uh, I just got to keep, keep holding on and not let go and just to put one foot in front of the other and do my best. And, um, that's all you can do. I love that. It's like all the quotes running together, but it makes so much sense. So, okay. We literally have one minute. Is there anything else that you want to share that we've missed? Oh my goodness. Um, I'd like to tell my daughter. I love you so much. Um, I'm so proud of you. And just thank you for supportive breast friends throughout the years. And um, I have some good friends out there, which I'm so grateful for. And just happy to still be here. Like I said, at 51, it's it's an amazing gift. I never thought this day would come. So thank you for having me. Well, Kelly, thank you. It has been my pleasure to have you here. And thank you for being so vulnerable and open to share your story because the fact that you are a 20 many plus year survivor and your daughter's name is destiny. It just all runs together in my heart. So I love that so much. So thank you again for being here today. So listeners, you can find our show on the voice America health and wellness channel or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also watch on the breast friends, YouTube channel. If you or a loved one need our services, please go to breastfriends.org where you can make a donation or check out the patient programs to see what we can do for you. If you'd like to reach out and contact me, I am at Michelle Beck at breastfriends.org and Merry Christmas. This airs a few days before Christmas. So if you're listening live, happy holidays to all of you. And here's to a wonderful 2023. And we'll be back next week. And until then, remember, we rise by lifting each other. Thank you for listening to Breast Friends Cancer Support Network. Please join Michelle Beck again next Wednesday at 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We rise by lifting each other.